0: Welcome to another edition of Cybersecurity Dispatch. This is your host, Andy Anderson. In this episode, Security in the Cloud, we talk with Retinder. Ahuja, CEO of ShieldX, we cover the challenge of securing systems and networks in an area where core functions increasingly housed in cloud environment outside the corporate networks and how the historic tools used to secure those systems just don't fit anymore. It's a challenge I know many folks are struggling with, and I think Retinder's perspective is certainly one our users will enjoy hearing. Why don't we just start there, sort of how your background, how did you go to starting a a technology security startup?
1: That's great. So, yeah, so let me tell you the genesis behind ShieldX. So we started ShieldX towards the end of uh, 2015, January 2016. And prior to starting ShieldX, I was CTO for McAfee's network security portfolio. So we had a broad range of uh, network security products, you know, the classical next-gen advanced firewalls, intrusion threat prevention, data loss prevention, security gateways, you know, classical uh, systems. And I got into McAfee because I was founder of a company called Reconyx doing a data loss prevention products, so a consistent Gartner MQ yeah. winner. And they acquired that company in 2009 timeframe. So that's how I ended up at uh, McAfee. So, during my my years at McAfee, the cloud revolution started, and and many of the customers that that we would talk to were adopting a multi-cloud architecture, meaning their on-premise data centers were becoming more orchestrated. At the same time, they're using one or more public cloud footprints. And the whole idea was that they're treating compute, storage, and networking as code, harnessing the agility promise of the cloud, and delivering value at a faster pace. So during this transition many of the customers started questioning saying how does security fit into this new world and the traditional vendors would answer saying oh we have big appliances and we have you know some small appliances and we have virtual appliances of every kind what's the problem so there are three key problems that came along so the first one was there was heightened awareness of the fact that there is uh, something called east west access the the insides of the multi cloud yeah. And this awareness came around because traditionally, data centers were walled gardens. You had a, a very strong north-south boundary control, but you didn't have much visibility inside those environments. So as more events like uh, Equifax and you know various things happened where something would come in one way or the other and laterally move towards a high-value target and then cause some data loss, so that awareness was rising. And it was being given a term called east-west security and then when the data centers connected into public clouds you would have a very common configuration where the public cloud footprint would connect back into the data center using direct connect or vpns and the public cloud footprint would also have internet facing portal so all of a sudden, you would now have this uh, attack surface, which is now grown tremendously. You not only have to protect the things that you were protecting on the on-premise environments, but now you have to worry about them going into the cloud, elasticity, on-demand computing, all those things made the attack surface uh, really large. So to summarize that first issue, there was heightened awareness of East-West security. So And the customers found that it was very difficult, almost impossible, to take that lateral traffic and somehow spin that out to physical controls on-premise, or try to sprinkle virtual appliances throughout the lateral axis. So that was very problematic because these appliances and chassis do not understand the whole idea of the virtual network, orchestration and automation across this network. So so that was the, the first problem. To summarize it, the heightened awareness east-west security and the total failure of existing uh, products and solutions to solve that adequately. So does that first problem make sense?
0: Yeah, no, definitely. And just to put kind of a a bow on it, like east west and lateral, you consider to be synonyms, or are they, or am I missing a subtlety between the
1: two? No, no, you're you're right. The lateral, it's typically called lateral movement, is a term used to say how things propagate towards a high value target. East west security is a mechanism to say, uh, let me secure that uh, path.
0: Yeah, and the, the appliances were really struggling largely because of. Kind of the the trouble of you're really using IP addresses mm-hmm. to kind of locate servers or or whatever your infrastructure looks like in kind of an on-prem world, and then once you sort of go to a cloud world where you're just spinning up different machines and whatnot, it's sort of like trying to get hold of you know sand in your hand right it's just like it's it's changing constantly and and whatnot or what what the what's the sort of challenge
1: exactly exactly so you just hit upon the second problem that i was going to uh eliminate so the second problem was this whole idea of lack of orchestration for these traditional systems so what that meant is exactly what you were just saying that the DevOps teams and the application teams simply now can bring up new applications and scale things up faster than the security team can say no or, or yes or what are you guys doing yeah. so in the physical world you know there was a, a well-defined process by which the security team and the infrastructure team and the application teams got together planned out what they were going to do for the next you know five years put in an right. o- over engineered solution to intersect those traffic flows and you know sort of planned it out right but in the new world, the DevOps team simply treat the infrastructure as code, Then you simply roll out applications and make them scale up and down on demand. So now the security team wanted a system that would be equally agile and orchestrated, that would understand the intent of the security team. So the security team says, if a web tier or middleware apps or storage tiers show up, I want to protect them with a certain profile with a certain uh, threat protection and the appropriate access controls and watch for information loss if it's going to happen, right? So this is their intention. Because they're now divorced from the infrastructure team and the apps team, they wanted a system that would take this intention and transform that into reality. And that's what we built. So this is the second point about having something which is automated and orchestrated. And this leads to the third point, which is reduction in TCO, because the teams aren't getting any bigger. And they are uh, tasked with protecting even a vaster, a broader attack surface. So the solution had to have TCO, which was appropriate. So those are the three key problems, namely uh, east-west protection, a solution that is yep. highly orchestrated and automated that can transform security intention into reality and offer all that yep. at, at reduced TCO. Uh-huh.
0: And TCO for those familiar with the acronym?
1: Is the uh, total cost of ownership, which is not just the cost of licenses and, and software, but the cost of operating such systems.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, we, I like to sort of span the range. The audience tends to be, you know, very sophisticated, but also kind of often uh, less sophisticated. So I like to kind of make sure that it's, it's really grounded. So it sounds like, you know, old model, you're like the, the security team provides the sandbox, right? You can play in the sandbox, do whatever you want, but we've locked it down. Now, sort of like the, the dev, dev teams can go to the beach, right? <laughs> <laughs> can do whatever they want, right? Yes. How, exactly. do, you, how do you create a, a sandbox that, that you can kind of, that moves with them on the beach.
1: Absolutely.
0: Um, let's talk about how you actually do that. How do you kind of bring the individual sort of controls, mm-hmm. the typical sort of security controls that you would expect in more of a sort of classic on-prem environment to these cloud yeah. worlds?
1: Excellent. So this is where ShieldX was born. And we said, hey, there's something innovative that needs to be done to, to address some of these problems that are emerging because of multi-cloud adoption. So we set out to solve three things. And the first one was, how do you build a solution that is of cloud scale? So that's no longer constrained by a CPU memory geometry of an appliance or a box that has traditionally been built. And as a result, you were always constrained by what you could do. And you created lots of problems for customers because the customer would have to somehow replicate and scale these solutions and do traffic engineering and load balancing and all kinds of things to get scale. So, so yep. that was the first thing to solve. So we looked at how cloud principles have affected architectures. And what the cloud brought was a new way of thinking around horizontal scaling at the pain point. And what that means is, in the old world, you had monolithic entities, and they were either on hardware and you replicated that thing over and over, or the monolithic piece of software was replicated over and over just to address a single bottleneck in that software stack, right? And the cloud world says, hey, we don't spin up massive systems. We horizontally scale out where the bottleneck is. To achieve that, there's an architectural concept called microservices. And what that does is it says break your system up into its elemental building blocks. So in security processing, there's typically three fundamental building blocks, namely traffic flow processing, encryption and decryption, And something called deep packet inspection, which is the ability to look deeper inside flows and do some security outcomes. So in a traditional virtualized system, any of those stages becomes a bottleneck. Then the entire system suffers as a result of the bottleneck. So what we said was, hey, if we could horizontally scale out a bottleneck as it appears, then I would have a a very efficient system. So we literally turned some of these elemental building blocks into containerized microservices. So now we have gotcha. a containerized microservice that does flow processing, another one that does encryption and decryption, another one that does deep inspection. There's about 30 of them, but for simplicity, we'll say you know, there's these elemental building blocks. And now we okay. horizontally scale them up and down, and they are the value now is they're tiny. They're a fraction of the size of yep. the big monolithic security stack, and they can be yep. efficiently scaled at the pain point on demand. Now, we do all of that. We manage the orchestration of these microservices. We manage its uh, insertion into the network. We manage its uh, scale-up and scale-down. So the system, the customer sees a single system that is inherently elastically scaling. It is as if somebody was magically bringing in new line cards and expanding the shelves and the chassis to accommodate traffic growth and then taking it away when the need is gone, right? So something which is incredibly efficient and elastic. So this approach broke that CPU memory geometry bottleneck problem that has plagued the industry, the network security industry, forever. So
0: Gotcha. So, like, let's say, just to, to bring it to sort of specifics, or let's say we're in one of the sort of major public cloud providers, like... And I won't, ne- mm-hmm. you know, I won't make you name one if you don't want to, mm-hmm. but like AWS mm-hmm. or Azure mm-hmm. or one of the others. And now I've got a dev environment there. Essentially I'm going to install this system in my Amazon infrastructure and it's going to essentially start spinning up. Additional sort of virtual machine servers, et cetera, as needed mm-hmm. uh, around my environment, or how, how does that how does that work?
1: Excellent. So perfect. So this then brings us to the, you know how this system actually insert itself. How does automation orchestration yeah. happen? So we do uh, what you just mentioned, but we do it at a grand scale. So the first thing happens is you download a f- our first piece of software. We call it the controller, and okay. this thing comes up and it takes service credentials to your on-premise ESX environment or your Amazon and your Azure environments. We support those three environments, of course. And from these service credentials, we start doing discovery. So discovery means we are now able to go figure out you know, what networks you have and what subnets you have and how many, you know, using specific tr- terminology for these clouds, how many VPCs and VNets and various artifacts that exist in these environments. So we discover all of those we then discover what work workloads are there the nature of the workloads so this bridges the first uh, gap where the security team says you know i don't know what the dev teams are doing so this gives them the first visibility saying here's your landscape then to make sense out of this because there'll be you know thousands and thousands of subnets and networks and th- you know many thousands worth of workloads what we do then is using a number of techniques including machine learning and clustering classification we place these assets into logical groups and and give him the a presentation which says this is what an app looks like. So you know here, here's what an HR app looks like. These are the elemental these are the building blocks of that app. This is how they're distributed amongst various infrastructures. So they so the security team now for the first time ever he has visibility into this infrastructure. So based on this gained visibility and they then apply their policy intention. So they say, oh, okay, great. So the web tier should be protected against threats because it's public facing, and if any PI or PCI goes out of that, you know, I want to block it or, or tell me about it, right? Then they say, great. So the web tier needs to talk to the other middleware and app tiers. So let's make sure that only the right web tier can talk to the backend. And then, so that means I need to have very specific access control policies. Threats may get through the web tier. So I want to protect the apps now. So uh, I want to have threat prevention against those attack surfaces. And then they continue their intention, saying the storage elements make sure there is no unencrypted PCI or PI or regulatory content. And again, only certain apps can talk to certain storage elements. And the storage elements also have attack surfaces. So those should be protected. So this is the security intention. So they're expressing their intention across the model that we've discovered for them. At no stage do they worry about where these elements are. The web tier could be across three different clouds, don't care. Or you could move it from one cloud to the other, don't care. These storage elements could be on-premise, big databases, or may have supplementary storage elements in the cloud, don't care. We match that, we now transform that intention that has been applied to this model into actual insertion across these diverse set of cloud networks. And then we instantiate the appropriate microservices that will transform that policy intention into actual controls, whether they are access control, or threat prevention, or malware prevention, or data loss prevention. And then we keep it all consistent, meaning as you scale up or scale down your applications, or you migrate the application from one cloud to the other, that automated discovery continues. And we keep transforming that intention into reality by instrumenting and orchestrating our microservices to go into those environments at the right time, at the right place, with the right scale.
0: Okay. So essentially that and that deep packet inspection or that sort of analysis of where the connections are happening or the sort of control of, of P I I or mm-hmm. PCI. Is that home built mm-hmm. stuff sort of or was that sort of pulling best of class from sort of existing solutions or is that is that relatively I mean that seems like a lot for a startup to take down all at once
1: excellent question so we get this asked all the time that hey are you guys uh, you know using other people's stuff or are you building your own so the system is built using these microservices that are highly reusable so the deep inspection engine yeah. is the one that is doing threat inspection it's the deep inspection the, the DPA engine does the URL inspection it does the content inspection with PCI PAI but those are essentially different content loads into a DPI microservice. So what we do is we commercially source the threat definitions from partners yes. like Symantec or FireEye or Teleslabs and so forth. Yes. But the engines, these these microservices that implement those threat definitions and tokens of interest are our own. And the reason yes. startups like us can do it because we had deep insight into how these systems are built. Me and my, my team have built over the last 25 years proxies, firewalls, intrusion threat prevention, data loss prevention. So all the things that you see out on the market, we have built over the years and we created all these problems and we the secret sort of we learned is you know if you build the elemental building box blocks correctly then you can using this microservices architecture you can get different personalities to give you different security outcomes so you have this massive leverage and consolidation into a single pane of glass
0: yeah i think that yeah that that great answer i mean i think the infrastructure is new your own but the where the- sort of signatures mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and sort of patterns are coming from, you know if that's more standard, which is I would expect right yes. like the guys who have been watching stuff for and are seeing the volume of traffic are kind of probably at the best source for that exactly. um How about sort of containerized i mean you guys have containerized mm-hmm. the services, which I think is great. How about sort of thinking about? Securing infrastructure that's containerized by a potential development team yep. or or user.
1: Excellent. So we saw this evolution happening from you know physical environments to virtualized environments and to cloud footprints of today, okay. Amazon AWS and so forth, towards moving towards Kubernetes and Docker and you know, those kind of environments, right? So we wanted to build a solution that would you know there's a lot of startups that they're doing point solutions. So you got a point solution for AWS, another point solution for you know Kubernetes or Docker, Docker containers. So we wanted to make this thing uh, scale and be available across this broad spectrum, because any large enterprise customer will have all those things. So like I said, our microservices are actually built using Docker containers. And what happens is, today, we wrap that into the native virtualization architecture. So in VMware, it looks like a VM. In Amazon, it looks like an AMI. But as we move towards a Docker native solution, we shed that outer skin. And these various microservices and controls are actual Docker containers. And then we intersect the okay. Docker container networking layer, which is an OV switch or a or Docker bridge or something of that nature, or a service mesh. And that's where we intersect the traffic. And then we use our microservices, containerized microservices, to give you the exact same threat detection and policy behavior as you would get on your physical or virtualized environment. So consistent security controls, consistent ways to express your policy intention across this diverse spectrum.
0: Gotcha. I mean one of the things that you know I hear a lot, I, I'd love your sort of opinion. I know it may not be sort of core to your to your solution, but one of the challenges about containers is sort of the shared kernel mm-hmm. of the sort of architecture. And how do you get comfortable around that sort of potential threat mm-hmm. vector of once you're sharing a kernel now the potential to kind of get root access to that kernel, et cetera.
1: Absolutely right. So, we are a networking solution. So, we add value once the traffic goes in and out of a container. We believe that the yep. container environments themselves will harden themselves against root escalation and, you know, hacks that sort of break gotcha. the container boundary. So those are, we believe will be natural evolutions of you know of the container architectures. So just like in Windows world, gotcha. right, if you go from Windows 3.1 to Windows 10, Windows 10 is highly isolated to the point where even an agent is ineffective. And iOS and Android, yeah. the, the agent can add no value because they've taken you know that isolation to a high degree of sophistication. So you get that, make sure that yeah. nothing breaks that boundary. So we believe containers, Docker containers and you know, these architectures will offer that better and better over time. So an agent based solution will not add value Value. Networking will continue to add value because it's still inbound attacks and outbound content is still what you want to look for.
0: How about when you deploy yourself? Are you essentially you're spinning up like a separate virtual infrastructure inside their environment, or are you? I mean, even though eventually that <coughs> sort of hardening will happen, mm-hmm. not and understand that's sort of outside your purview, but mm-hmm. in this current environment where there may be still concern about that or your how do you sort of separate your own architecture from whatever the sort of typical DevOps sort of infrastructure is?
1: So our microservices and our containers come from within our so the controller that we ship out. So that in its belly, if you can think of, yeah. has these containers in it and that's what we spin out. And these are built using gotcha. our own, you know, fairly well-defined secure software development lifecycle, where it's gone through hardening okay. and intrusion testing and so forth. So that's hardened, and it it does not co-mingle code with the customers' DevOps process. We don't impact the DevOps process. We don't expect them to put any of our code inside there. We're not an agent, so so that's why we don't impact them, and they don't impact us.
0: So is it sitting in sort of a separate server, like virtual machine server, or is it sharing the same server?
1: No. So it appears as a virtual entity. So depending on, let's take an example of ESX, which is a fairly simple virtualization architecture to understand. So our microservices are wrapped up to look like a VM. And they get spun up through vCenter on a set of resources that you give us. And that's what we look like.
0: Where are you, you know, Azure, AWS, where else are you sort of able to like Mm -hmm. VMware? Where else are you able to deploy?
1: Yeah, so so these three are our uh, current shipping environments, and then we are just waiting for the world to become more, Docker or or container ready, and then we'll just uh, shed the outer skin. And Kubernetes slash Docker would be the next uh, logical you know place for land. GCP is very close to that. You know Google Platform is very close to that. Red Hats, you know uh, Redshift, and various other environments are pretty much that. So I think that's where the world is headed. So we'll be right there.
0: Yeah. Where are, um this has been great, I mean, really interesting to sort of dive into the technology. Where are you sort of seeing adoption from different customers? Where are they sort of finding this, mm-hmm. this most interesting?
1: Yeah, so customers that have a heightened awareness of East-West security. So And they have a, yeah. a multi-cloud environment that's even better because then they are facing all the problems we talked about. They they have experienced yeah. those firsthand. So if you look at our website, for example, we cite Alaska Airlines as one of our customers, You know, as you can imagine, fairly large organization, very security conscious because they are running critical infrastructure. At the same time, they're handling PII and PCI. So we worked with them You know, January 16th, 2016 is when I made the first presentation to them. We had an incredible philosophical alignment with our way of looking at the problem and they're them having first-hand experience trying to operationalize traditional controls in these multi-cloud environments so excellent philosophical alignment they helped us they were our alpha customer beta customer eventually becoming a pay, paid customer and continuing with the expansion so that's a classical example others that we cite on our website are some financial services type companies some yeah. uh, state state uh, government type companies but the common theme is I am now aware of this thing called lateral movement or east-west security problems, and the problem is getting worse because of a multi-cloud footprint. So I need a solution that is can work consistently across multiple clouds, understands the fact that I am now divorced from the infrastructure, so I just need to express my intention and have the system turn it into reality and, and make sure the thing runs with automation and or orchestration so my TCO, my cost of ownership, is lower, right? So that's sort of the theme.
0: And, and essentially, like, if you plug into that, so let's say you plug into, you know a company that's doing uh, some stuff in in a couple of clouds mm-hmm. what are the pieces that you're replacing right like mm-hmm. what are you yeah. what are they going to sort of drop out of their security stack
1: yeah so typically they would be trying to either they're going there with no security or they're going there with and using the basic primitive ACL type controls of the cloud cloud environments or they're trying to retrofit right. their existing physical or virtual chassis or virtual appliances into those environments. So that's the typically you know, the, the spectrum. And once we're able to uh, help them understand the ease of use of that, what we have, the automation orchestration that we have, and the richness of the controls, the ability to do micro-segmentation across multiple clouds in from one plane of glass, so that's, that's what uh, helps them bring towards us, come towards us.
0: Very cool. How about on-prem? Are you... Are they once they're also sort of grabbing it in the cloud, are they trying to pull it back into the on-prem, or is that not sort of where you... No,
1: no, go? the ESX data center on-premise, which is, you know, 99% of enterprises have that. That is a prime spot for us. Many cases will start there because they want to micro-segment that data center. Micro-segmentation is a concept where you try to create isolation in what were typically flat environments and the flat environments were prone with risk for lateral movement so the first step is you know to gain visibility to create some segmentation isolation and then insert some controls in there so we are that is our sweet spot because Doing that on ESX or NSX or with ACI is, is very difficult because it's you're trying to put controls, physical chassis or virtual chassis throughout your environment. So we definitely saw that. We come sure. in through that vector and then expand it to the multi-cloud or we'll come in from the other side, uh, Azure or AWS, and then come into the ESX side. So definitely this little golden triangle that we have works really well for us.
0: And in terms of that uh, segmentation, you do that on the... Sort of the access of specific individuals or different machines or different applications. Walk us through a little bit how you kind of do that, that segmentation because I know there's a lot of different kind of ways. to
1: Absolutely, think about it. absolutely. So, so we yes. So, if you look at a traditional data center, and just to keep it simple, let's say the, you know they'll have a typical three tier app: a, a front end, middleware, and a storage backend, right? Whether it's database or storage, and typically they'll have yeah. multiple. Instances of this app, meaning they'll have a production version, a test version, and you know something in a dev version, right so they'll have yeah. so now, in the worst case, we find that all of this is on a big flat d v switch right so completely flat mm-hmm. things <laughs> arbitrarily brought up we see this quite often so now it, this is you know this is ripe for lateral movement you can have lateral movement between the web tier you can have lateral movement between you know one web tier to a the dev back end because that wasn't secured as much. Right, So the first question customers ask is, okay, do I have this problem or not? So that's visibility and discovery. And the second problem, and the next step they'll say is, okay, make sure all my assets are isolated, which is a definition of the microsegmentation aspect. So this is where we go in, and we will say, okay, great, let's start tier by tier and within the tier, you know, layer by layer. So we would then say, great make sure, discover all the web servers, the front ends. And if they were on the same vSwitch, we would then go manipulate that vSwitch definition through vCenter, of course and then break that apart into smaller what is called port groups, and then uh, insert ourselves at those port group boundaries. So all of a sudden, without you having to do anything configuration-wise, we've automated that entire concept down to you know a, a mouse click. Above that, we will say the rule is now in place, which says if similar infrastructure elements show up ever and they are not following the rule, go ahead and micro-segment them again. So, so the continuous discovery makes sure that, that it is kept consistent as changes happen in your environment. So this then ex- is ex- Expanded to all the other tiers and multiple instances of the tier. So this is you know this this works the basically with discovery and a couple of mouse clicks.
0: Yeah. No, that's great. And sort of as more people are using it, you're just getting better and better in terms of like how you do that with different applications and different pieces.
1: Yeah, exactly. So we have machine learning capabilities that help us both cluster and classify traffic flows. So we can say, ah, this is what Oracle looks like, and we keep refining that over time. And this is what your know, JBoss middleware looks like, because that's the type of traffic it emanates. Yes. So if we get to show you a demo, we'd love to show you this uh, machine learning capabilities, which starts from basic traffic analysis and looking at various other artifacts of workloads, and saying, yeah, see, here's an N tier, a three tier app and would you like me to go ahead and recommend? This actually is really interesting because now we actually recommend what the access control policies and the threat prevention policies should be because now we have an understanding of who talks to who, what methods they talk to each other, and what's the, the native attack surface.
0: I mean, this is very cool. i not encountered anybody who's sort of doing things the way you're doing them. Is there, is, how, how do you sort of see the landscape? How? Uh, who else is out there? If someone were kind of Thinking about this space, what, how are they, if they weren't calling you, are there other people that, that they could call or how, yeah, what else is out there?
1: Absolutely. And, and, you know, Lauren, we should share the visual that we have, it sort of dissects the market. and, and and this is all before ShieldX ex- existed. We sort of looked at it, and I'm going to try to visually put a picture in front of you. So on the bottom axis, I have something called cloud readiness of the solution. That means how automated and orchestrated this is. And on the vertical axis, I'll put something called security richness. That means how rich and complete are the security controls. So if you look at the traditional appliance vendors, and we were one of those in our previous lives, they are very rich in security capabilities, have been doing it for 20-plus years, but that they are the anti-cloud. They, you, know, you can't take the box yeah. into the cloud. So, so there's a big impetus mismatch in operationalizing those in a multi-cloud environment. So then I go further down uh, on my x-axis, and then you find native controls from AWS and Azure and NSX and ACI, which are basic ACLs. So Again, primitive on the security capabilities, but somewhat automated because they're part of the infrastructure. Yep, sure. And then I go further along the x-axis, and you find names like Illumio, vArmor, Cloud Passage. So they were born before us, mm-hmm. and they built something that said, hey, I understand things need to be automated and orchestrated. However, you try if you look at the entire problem, you try to protect everything from the network, the host, the operating system, the application stack, the user, the data that the user produces. So a rich attack surface. And you do solve this today for your on-premise, you know, your campus boundaries, things. You, you implement all those controls we talked about, data loss prevention, security gateways, so forth. Now, to do that on a multi-cloud basis, on the east-west axis, scaling from zero to terabits of inspection with elasticity is the challenge. So the newer entrants said, oh, this is too hard. We'll just do basic ACLs again. So if you look at the Lumio, they do basic yeah. ACLs using a host agent. Armor does basic ACLs using a network-based approach, but for ESX only. And Cloud Passage does basic ACLs and something called log-based threat detection so deferred time server detection and list goes on, you know, stack rocks, log-based detection, TwistLog, more, more log-based detection, and, you know, so, so they have not done true security, but just basically given you visibility. So we, saw, we said, look at this, yeah. this is a problem. We want to solve this in three dimensions. The richness of the security capabilities to fully address east-west and lateral movement with full DPI, giving you threat prevention, intrusion detection, thr- malware prevention, data loss prevention, looking for URLs going in and out, right, so full scale of capabilities, and and understanding how kill chains progress in a multi-cloud environment and building algorithms to detect the kill chain and prevent the kill chain. Right, so that's the full richness of security yeah. controls running across multiple clouds with full automation orchestration, which then dramatically reduces the cost of operating this thing. So that's the, and I'll we'll send you this visual so you, you can look at it and say, yes, this makes sense. Yeah,
0: that'd be great. Yeah. No, this has been really interesting. Thank you for taking the time. And, um, you know, I feel like we hit a, on a lot of different models, in, but in a way that I think even people who are not kind of experts in the space can still grasp it. So I uh, thank you for that uh, clarity. I don't always get that. So. Great. Just before we sign off, what else should uh, should we know?
1: Yeah. So uh, a couple of other interesting artifacts. You know, we are uh, funded by not only just traditional VCs, which is you know, which we have world class VCs with with Bain Capital and Aspect Ventures, but we have uh, an amazing set of strategic investors in the company, namely FireEye semantic and dimension data okay. so we're kind of unique okay. in, in that way because and, the, and you can see the file and semantic being there because they see this emergence of cloud security multi-cloud security east-west security as capabilities that are not there in the traditional players in the industry and you see dimension data coming in because they see their customers asking for software defined everything right so they want software defined solutions for software defined data centers and clouds and they wanted to make sure that they have something that can help their customers move towards this vision.
0: Yeah, no, that sounds great. And I think the, obviously your background, but also the investors are sort of bringing the, kind of experience and real sort of backing and, and support that this is really innovative. And I think that's great, but also to line up for these seeds to uh, yeah. sort of willing to throw rocket fuel at stuff.